Hello, this is Joshua Mack from Cornerstone Bible Church, and we are talking marriage and family. It's been a little while, but over the past few months, we have been taking some time to just kind of think about some of the basics, basic biblical principles that are important for us to understand and uh, seek to apply if we're going to have God glorifying good for us and good for the world kind of marriages. And uh, it's important we talk about some of these basics because the reality is that even though a lot of people know some information that the Bible teaches about marriage, many of those same people aren't really applying it. They uh, talk about marriage better than they actually live it, which of course is always uh, the danger for absolutely all of us. And uh, it's kind of sad. Um, There have been a lot of people throughout the years who have taught about marriage a lot better than they've lived it. That's something even as I do this little podcast, I'm constantly thinking about and praying about, Lord, please help me not just to be the kind of person who is really good at telling other people what to do when it comes to marriage. Not that I am great at that, but don't let me be the kind of person who is great at that and isn't living it in my own home. And uh, so I, I thought it might be helpful to think about some of these basic biblical principles and especially talk about how to apply those principles in the nitty-gritty of everyday life because that's really so often where the problem comes. I mean, I haven't, for example, met many people who didn't know they weren't supposed to love their spouses, and yet I have met many people who weren't very good at loving at all. I know in my own life, I have been married for a pretty long time now, and I came into marriage with some knowledge. I I was pretty young when I got married, but I grew up in a a pretty good home, and my dad was a a biblical counselor and even wrote books on marriage and family, and so I definitely heard a lot about about it. And uh, yet even without all that training, I would have at least known the importance of loving my wife and specifically of loving her by being unselfish. I mean, there are so many verses. How can you not know that? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love does not insist on its own way. So we're to love. What does it mean to love? Well, love involves being unselfish. Jesus in Mark 10, 45 exhorts us, for the Son of Man did not come to serve, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And there's a whole text on marriage in Ephesians 5, which goes to the example of Christ. And it says, love, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And the explanation of Christ's love is just the picture of being unselfish. And yet while I knew a lot of verses about the importance of love, and I knew that love involved being unselfish, I don't think I really knew much about what it meant to be unselfish in everyday life. And I'm afraid that's uh, where a lot of people are at. They know uh, some of what the Bible teaches about love and some of what the Bible teaches about being unselfish, but they don't really have a good idea of what it looks like 
to love by being unselfish in everyday life. I know I personally, like I'm saying, I'm an example of that. I've had to do a lot of thinking specifically about being unselfish because by nature, I'm pretty good at loving myself. I came into marriage definitely wanting to love my wife, but at the same time being very selfish. And so over the years, I had to do a lot of thinking about being unselfish. And I'm glad because uh, if there's one thing I want to be good at, actually, it's at being un- unselfish. This is uh, one of the challenges I like to give to people. Uh, I say, you know what, more than getting another degree, more than having a great job, your big goal should be to be so unselfish and compassionate by the time you die. Try to be the most unselfish person you absolutely can be. And uh, one reason this is so important is uh, just honestly because the benefits are huge for families. If a husband and a wife can learn to be unselfish, unselfish love is the soil for so much good to grow in families and churches. When there's an unselfish atmosphere in a home or a church, it is a beautiful place. And for another, I think this is a great area to work on, uh, not just because of the benefit, but also because unselfishness is tied uh, to a lot of other virtues, actually. So if I can become more unselfish, and if I'm going to be more unselfish, I actually have to grow in a lot of other areas as well because it doesn't exist on its own unselfishness. If you're going to work on being unselfish, you have to work on being humble. If you're going to be unselfish, you're definitely going to have to grow in your faith and your appreciation of the gospel. And I'm talking about real unselfishness because there's a selfish unselfishness that, that's different, but uh, is, which is really all about manipulation and using other people to get what you want. But real unselfishness is connected to the gospel and it has a lot to do with being content. And it's also connected uh, to other virtues like being compassionate. In fact, uh, compassion is kind of the positive outflow of not being selfish. If you have uncompassionate people, ultimately the problem really is selfishness. So you want to work on being unselfish uh, because of the benefits, because working on unselfish requires you to work on so many other things as well. And uh, because um, being unselfish, while it's ultimately a, a heart attitude that we're talking about, It also is a skill. So you can be good at it or you can be bad at it and you can get better at it. And maybe here I'm talking more about just the expression of unselfishness. But there's a a skill, like a sport, I guess. You might have two people that both really want to play a sport, but one person may be better at it. And I, I guess we could maybe talk about this in terms of wisdom. There's the law, like, hey, love unselfishly. That's what you need to do. And then there's wisdom, like in the nitty-gritty issues of life, you can do that well or not well. And so you can have someone who maybe does really want to love their wife, but they're hindering the relationship because they haven't learned the skill, really, of being unselfish very well. And so uh, over the next few uh 
podcast, I want to give some very specific ideas that may be helpful for you as you think about learning to love your family by being unselfish. And I'll just start here now with with one. Uh, If you are going to become better at loving people unselfishly, start by assuming that you need to become better at loving people unselfishly. Obviously, we don't grow in many areas without spending some time thinking about how we can grow in those areas. We have to think if we're going to grow. But the problem with selfishness and pride, of course, is that selfishness keeps you from wanting to think about how you need to grow. And pride causes you to think you don't need to grow, which is where a lot of application breakdown happens, I think. A lot of people start with the assumption, I'm probably right. And so we don't even take the time to think. I'm not sure we always appreciate just how pro us we are. You know, we come out of the womb rooting for ourselves. And so the result is most of us tend to be a little delusional, honestly, about how good we are at things. And because we love ourselves so much, the smallest little sacrifice we make, we often think about as something huge. And I guess because we love others so little, we often don't even really notice the sacrifices they make for us. I remember there was this guy who was coming to our church in South Africa at one point who uh, had just gotten out of jail for murdering his mother. And it, it turns out he didn't really ever repent, but he did go to prison and then he got out. And there was someone in our church who let him live in their home. It was amazing, kind of sketchy. But anyway, he was coming to church. And this guy was being gracious and letting him live in his home, which was scary, I'm sure. And yet, over time, it was obvious this guy who murdered his own mom was still so proud of himself. And the result was that he was constantly criticizing the guy who was letting him live in his home. He still had so many opinions. He was delusional in terms of his view of himself. I remember I posted a quote somewhere uh, from some best-selling author, and he wrote me a note later correcting the grammar of this New York Times best-selling author. And I'm like, wow, you know? And while he's an extreme example, the reality is that it's not just him. So often we have an image of ourselves that doesn't match up with reality. And that is uh, pretty common actually, for all of us. And yet the real problem is when we don't recognize that we have such a strong pull towards seeing ourselves inaccurately. That's when it gets scary. It's one thing to be delusional. It's another to be delusional and not know it. Because by its very nature, sin is deceptive. And so this is part of why it, this is so common. Uh, Paul Tripp likes to say, you know who sin deceives first? You. I mean, I have no difficulty recognizing the sin of the people around me. Well, I mean, usually. But I can be quite unprepared when others point out my sin. And a spiritual blindness isn't like physical blindness because when you're physically blind, you know you're blind. So you compensate. But spiritually blind people, and I'm quoting Paul Tripp here, are not only blind, they're also blind to their own blindness. They think they see so well, so that the spiritually blind person walks around with this delusion that no one has a more accurate view of himself than he does, which is why it's hard for us to even think about becoming unselfish because we have this distorted view of ourselves. So 
fight that. <laughs> you're going to become unselfish. You're going to have to fight it. And one way you can fight it is by just sort of having this default assumption, I need to grow. I'm not there. And that's important because you're not going to drift towards being more unselfish. You have to live in drive, not neutral. You need to pursue it. And if you're going to see where you need to grow so that you can pursue it, you're going to need help seeing where you need to grow. And so it's it's good for you to sit there and think, how do I need to grow in unselfishness? But if you're sitting there by yourself, you're probably not going to get it. So you want to have this mindset where you're trying to take advantage of all the helps you can get seeing your unselfishness so that you can grow. One place to start is with your wife. I uh, often ask my wife, how can I be more unselfish? Uh, my wife tends to be so unselfish, though, that she's not always, uh, not always noticing the ways in which I am being selfish. And so another step you can take is to watch your kids. How do they respond when they have to do something they don't want to do? Because often the way they respond when they're uncomfortable or doing something they don't want to do is a response they learn from you. If you're going to become more unselfish, it starts with thinking about it. And one place you can think about it is by asking your wife. Uh, and another place you can think about it is by just looking at your kids and seeing maybe your response in them. And you might ask your friends, your brothers and sisters at church, how do you experience me? Uh, how can I get better at being unselfish? Uh, do I communicate with you in an unselfish ways? It, it's kind of funny how hard it is for us to ask questions like that. We don't want anyone to tell us um, that there actually are areas that we need to grow. Uh, we used to have a lot of Germans in our home over the homes over the years, and obviously uh, Germans don't grow up speaking English usually. But many of the Germans who came into our home wanted to learn English, and you know they would often ask, "Please tell me when I'm not pronouncing something properly," which always struck me, uh, maybe just because I'm so proud, but also because it kind of felt un-American. Um, usually, Americans don't like someone correcting them on their pronunciation, at least as I know Americans. I could be totally wrong, but Germans do. And I think, obviously, as a result, they put themselves in a position where they can grow, which is how uh, we need to be if we're going to become more unselfish. We should make a practice out of asking for help. And uh, not only should we ask other people for help, the most important person we should ask for help is God. God, please help me see me. Point out where I'm selfish. And one of the places that he'll point that out is in the word of God. So you want to open up your Bible and read with an eye towards personal conviction. What does the Bible teach me about being unselfish? And then watch people who are unselfish. We learn through study, we learn through listening to teaching, but we also learn through imitation. And one of the best ways for you to learn how to become more unselfish and gracious and compassionate is to spend time intentionally and deliberately with someone who has a habit of being unselfish and gracious and compassionate. Specifically, we might also have them 
we might also, excuse me, ask others, just proactively ask others, how can I serve you better? If we're going to have marriages that honor God, we are going to to need to think hard about what the Bible teaches about marriage and about family, and then work hard at applying those principles uh, to everyday life. And one example of that is the call to love. It's not enough for us just to know that the Bible tells us to be love, loving. We have to think about what it means to love. One thing it means to love is to be unselfish. And yet that's, that's very difficult for us. Most of us by nature are very selfish. So how do we grow? First step, assume you need to grow. And spend some time thinking, even this week, I probably do need to grow in unselfishness. That's almost a given. What would it look like for me to be more unselfish with my family uh, this week? I, uh, that's worth thinking about. That is worth thinking about. It's going to be a blessing to you. It's going to honor God. And uh, God uh, is so kind. He stuffs all these commands uh, with mercy and grace. And so, like Jesus says, the one who seeks to save his life will lose it. But the one who loses his life for Jesus' sake will find it. And so if you seek to die to self for the glory of Christ, I guarantee you it might be hard, it might be uncomfortable, but in the end, it is truly uh, the path of joy.